Chapter 24 The Outcast In any church, temple, or mosque, there happens to be great priests who inspire young girls and boys. Then opposite to them is a small minority of priests who molest children, and so it is time for them to be destroyed. There are those priests who uplift the world and spread profound teachings. Then there are the imposters who rob the community and congregation by misleading parishioners through the powers of their immoral preaching. There are great men who serve our community and anoint the sick. Then there are the pedophile predators who pretend to be preachers in hopes they can play with a young boy's dick. This next chapter doesn't concern the mature man, for I owe much respect to the great priests and leaders who led me as a young child. I have unending admiration for the priests where I was raised, but I must speak up for the young boys who are not as lucky as I, and so I release this verse for those who were defiled. If a priest corrupts the world's youth, they stain the Holy Spirit. This message does not concern the moral and ethical priests, but rather all pedophiles, especially those in any church, do have reason to fear this. I have no problem with any man who is gay, but I have a problem with a priest who ruins a young boy's life. Beware pedophiles. There is a great serpent who is ready to emerge, and that snake is coming to make sure you face what you did with your life. For whatever we do in this world is what comes back to us in time. And if the leaders of the church do not openly rectify the past, then they too are in on the crime. There is a great serpent with the most powerful venom, and only a single drop before its symptoms spread. For it paralyzes the soul in hell for so long that it makes you wish you were dead. But dead is not what you will be, for you will be trapped in a world of agony. That's when you'll look to Satan, and you'll be alone with him, begging for mercy. You see, this devil of a beast is not bad, but rather he's the one who changed the worst of the wicked, as he's what you would call fearsome, ruthless, and mad. If only these bad men could be erased and die, but rather this devil is a destroyer of death. He chains those disgraceful souls to the bottom of his cavern, and there he makes sure they never rest. Until they learn the lesson, only then can these demons be freed. Why the Antichrist is much like a vulture. He loves the world so much, he's come to clear the world of its wickedness, since he's the only one brave enough to protect you and me. For some years, I couldn't stand to look at a crucifix. It was as if I avoided Jesus looking down upon that cross. Forever pinned with nails in his hands and feet, he was destroyed and lost. That's how the Holy Church chose to preserve his image? As a murdered man forever stuck in the worst moment of his life. But I, I look to the sun and see the morning star where I remember the Redeemer who gave up everything to show us how to live life right. When I gave up on Christ years ago, it was because the suffering in this world didn't make sense. 
Now the church has very specific rules, but Christ didn't make these rules. And how did the church know Christ so well? Are the priests who touch the little boys the ones who dictate whether we go to heaven or to hell? And what the hell? Christ never condemned anyone to hell. He only came to help us. There was no motive he was trying to sell. Yet the church collects money every mass. And who knows where it actually goes? Does it pay off sexual abuse scandals? Or does it help plow the parking lots filled with snow? Oh, but look at the Vatican. It's not a church, it's an empire. They have stolen things from everywhere upon the earth. And just because their foundation is massive, doesn't mean they are connected to a higher power. For a long time, I was at odds with Christ. And every time I saw his crucifix, it felt as if him and I were in a fight. I could not figure out why he never came back to help us. And just as the Gospel of Matthew says, hell is the darkness of the night. Oh, that's where I am. And that's where you are too. This is the age of degradation that everyone on earth is going through. Now when is Jesus coming back? I was so loyal to him as a young boy, but without a ritual into manhood. I was cast into the world and thrown into the industries where my body was deployed. The government treats me like a number, and school handed me a piece of paper. Then once I got to work, it started to feel as if the whole world was filled with traitors, selling out for more stock, polluting the earth to profit off the land. Oh, no one cared how the money was made, as long as more money kept piling up in the richest people's hands. Then the churches killed so many during the Crusades. For 2,000 years, they barely adapt. Meanwhile, when Jesus sent out the twelve, he ordered them to take nothing, no gold or silver, no sandals or staff. He told them to be like sheep among wolves, to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven has come near. He told them to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out the demons that are feared. Freely as you have received, freely give. And then he said, when they arrest you, do not worry what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Then there came a time when I fell onto my hands and knees. I finally saw what I could never quite see. Jesus was an outcast. He was a man going against all odds, looking to awaken the people to the kingdom of heaven any way possible. Then he was murdered by the masses of the ignorant mobs. That's when I came to realize how the Christian faith is split into various parts. I'm not talking about the Trinity, but I'm talking about the written teachings in the Bible, the Church, and Jesus' raw and bleeding heart. For these are three very different things, all based upon the One. The word called the Bible started as a transmission written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek in order to decipher the nature of God's divine Son. And did you know that Jesus spoke Aramaic, and the translation of God from that language is called Allah? Jesus didn't call his Father God. He called him Allah. That was when he was crucified upon the cross, right around the time they cast lots. Next, the church is an organization intending to follow in Christ's footsteps. 
But the only real clues we have to follow is Jesus' life, the word, and the revelations of what is to come next. Yet the Bible doesn't explain much about Jesus' adulthood. It speaks of his teachings, his crucifixion, and briefly his childhood. But there is a huge portion missing. What about his teenage and young adult years? What happened to the Son of God when he was in his teens and twenties when he was with his peers? Yes, Jesus spoke Aramaic, so then Jesus called out to Allah as God. That means we're getting a second-hand Bible in English. And why did the church edit and remove words like Seder and Nephilim if the Word of God has no flaws? You see, the church is not Jesus Christ, and so they are very much flawed like the rest of man. They too were tasked to keep the faith alive, but the leaders of the church also had many hidden plans. Thank God I'm not in charge of that church. But if I was, I'd realize that judgment means it's time to make a choice. Either publicly admit the sexual abuse, give us the pedophiles' names, then kick them out, and admit the word is not God. For how could it be God when you edited it? Otherwise the power and control will disappear and then the church will lose its voice. Whatever we have done is what comes back so that the truth is exposed. Own up, or would you prefer to be buried like the indigenous children you left behind and then converted by your foes? I understand that there are many in the churches who are moral, and many are not at fault. But if the church doesn't make up for its past, then the foundation upon which it was built will fall. You may hide, but you cannot escape the holy breath. I wonder what will be written about the church if there comes a time when there is no church left. And this isn't just a notice for the Christian churches alone, but for all churches, temples, and mosques of all religions upon the earth. We must rectify the past, otherwise the future will hurt. And did you hear about what happened in Canada? All the mass graves of the indigenous children? Is that how they were trying to honor Jesus? By forcing people into Christianity and letting them die if they didn't listen? This is not Christ-like, rather it is the motivation of ego. Claiming they alone knew the only path to heaven? I remember when I became a real follower of Christ. It was when I turned the other way. I could no longer listen to the lies of the world, and so above the church, I trusted what my intuition had to say. There I found the deepest connection with Christ, for he was within my heart all along, and there was no need to be hit on by a priest in confession while I told him what I did wrong. You see, it was Christ who helped me see clearly. There I discovered what it means to be free, not bound by a church or book, but rather I listened to what he told the twelve as they wandered along the edge of the sea. That's when I tried to spread his teachings. I tried to give more than I would take. I aligned myself with selfless beings because I looked up to them since it is they who are truly great. Yes, in this world, so many worship the idols called musicians and athletes, but I look up to Christ the King for whatever happens next in our journey. I must release myself from that which I grasp, attach, and cling. 
just as Jesus sent out the twelve. He taught them to need nothing but the faith within their own soul. Barefoot without gold and silver, he taught them that within their own human body was the basic goodness of the Holy Spirit that made them complete and whole. In a time where prostitution in Jaffa was readily available, where no internet or technology was around, and at night they lived by candles and starlight, the people treated Jesus like an outcast and a clown. But what did he know that no one could see? How did he realize the pure potential within man that every single one of us was called to be? And what would Jesus do? I think of that question often. Then I too will be an outcast, and I will go forth without any precautions. There is only one thing I ask from Jesus. This is all I do seek, that I may dwell in the house of Jesus all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of Jesus and to seek him in his temple then my life will be complete. Yes, I am building a great temple to honor him, and I am answering Mother Mary's call. I am building a great stupa, one stone at a time, so that humanity can protect creatures large and small. As it was written on Jesus' account, truly I say to you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. I look to Mount Meru, or to Mount Zion, as the Christians called it. But I liked this mountain just where it was. Yet there was one mountain that I would like to move, as I must admit. I look to the world's great order, with its businesses, churches, and steeples. And there was so much to be improved. Yes, that's the mountain I'm heading toward. I think that's the mountain that will be moved. Oh,